OS9 was dead to begin with. There is no doubt whatever about that. The register of its burial was signed by Steve Jobs himself. I was there at WWDC in San Jose, and I saw it. Mac OS 9 was dead as a doornail. Then it was that Mike and Jason began their preparations for the Christmas holiday. A podcast feast was intended, and all for them. But when they entered the hallowed halls of Relay FM, they discovered something strange. There was nothing at all particular about the Upgrade Podcast logo, except that it was very large. But let anyone explain to us, if they can, how it happened that what we saw in our podcast player of choice was, without it undergoing any immediate process of change, not an upward-pointing arrow, but Stephen Hackett's face. I am the ghost of Apple Past! Long past? No, you already said that Mac OS 9 was dead. Uh, so it must be Mac OS 10's past. It's just called Mac OS now. Okay, so maybe just Apple's recent what, what, past. What, what are you doing with this ridiculous intro? It's the Upgrade Holiday Special! Stephen Hackett, and I am the ghost of Apple Past. Stephen, do you have something wrong with your throat? Is there something going on there? <laughs> yeah. <coughs> uh, I'm, good. I'm good to go now. Good to go. I feel like we've finally given you the role that you've always wished for. Honestly, I'm going to retire after this episode goes out. Yeah. Oh, strange visitor from the past. What <laughs> message do you have for us? <laughs> do you, how do you break for us today? In case you hadn't guessed, uh, we are doing a Christmas carol today. Um, the Upgrade Holiday Special is a Christmas carol, and we are joined by Stephen Hackett. And he is going to to tell us everything about Apple's past so we can frame it in today and we can talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, Ghost of Apple Past, from whence do you come? I'm, uh, I'm around 2005, it seems okay. like. You know, people are are really into Smash Mouth, and <laughs> but they don't tell their friends they're still into Smash mm-hmm. Mouth. They're sort of in the phase where, kind of backing away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, George W. Bush is president. You know, it's 2005. People are excited. The big news, guys, is the iPod is huge, huge here. That's interesting. That's, I thought Apple was more of a computer company than uh, than an iPod company. Are they still Apple Computer Inc. in 2005? They are, right? Well, yeah, you, why would Apple they change is. their name? That's <laughs> silly. Why yeah, would they ever exactly. change their name? <laughs> well, you know, they well, could be like well, Apple Apple Music Player Inc. or something. No, that's the that's the Beatles company. You can't do that. Uh, <laughs> they, they are oh, yeah. Apple Apple Computer Incorporated, as they ever shall be. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. I, I don't see them ever changing that. What, what could possibly come along in just two years that would change everything? I can't <laughs> imagine it. Can't, can't be true. So, uh, Ghost of Apple Past, uh, what chips are found inside of Macintosh's today? Well, it's funny that you should ask, because here in my office, I have a, an iMac. I have a very powerful iMac G5. It is... Okay fast and it is white and it is beautiful i really enjoy it and in my laptop over here i have a uh, power pc g4 just humming along here in my aluminum power book yeah so the the impression i'm getting here is you come from a land where apple apple is uh is branching out from its traditional product line with something called the ipod and also you've got uh you've got a uh mac that has uh, a long time relationship with PowerPC chips. 
but might be teetering on the precipice of a chip transition. That's the rumors. There, there are a couple interesting things. So the, when this iMac was introduced uh, about a year ago in August 2004, Phil Schiller said something that really caught my attention, and it was, what will the creator of the iPod do for their next computer? Like, totally turned it on its head. That's when they introduced the iMac G5. And I, I got to tell you, you know, the G5 has been in the cheese grater now for a while. Um, you know, John Syracuse has got one. He's really happy with it. But <laughs> for those of us who don't want to tower, having a G5 with its 64-bit processor that's really fast and really speedy in an iMac is just mind-blowing. This, you know, the ship runs kind of hot. And to, to squeeze it in an iMac, y'all would not believe this. This iMac is only two inches thin. Two inches wow. thin. Can you, I can't wow. even imagine a computer thinner no. than that. <laughs> never. It's really astonishing. It's never going to happen. All right. So, the, so what are the issues? Like, um, there's what about a G5 PowerBook? You said you got a G5 iMac, but but you don't have a G5 PowerBook. You know, Apple is, I'm sure, working hard at that. We know that the G5 takes quite a bit of cooling and quite a bit of power, but I'm sure they're they're that they're working on it. Uh, there are rumors though. That, that Apple could go to the dark side and put an Intel processor in these things. What? And uh, it, it, it seems, you know, uh, the PowerPC has been around a long time, right? They transitioned, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago, and it went pretty well from like the old uh, Motorola 6800 processor to the, the first PowerPCs and the G3 and the G4. And what Apple's gotten out of this is a processor that it may not look as fast on paper, you know, an 800 megahertz G4 sure seems slower than like a, an Intel chip running at 1.2 gigahertz. But in every test you can throw at it, the G4 is faster oh, because megahertz are just a myth. That doesn't matter. <laughs> I'm going to come up with a term. It just came into my head. It's fake news. Oh, I've invented that term here in 2005. That's good. That's good. I want to say, first off, I agree with you that uh, Apple using Intel chips in Mac seems crazy. Um, I just read a column, a whole column in Macworld where they said it's never going to happen. So I'm pretty sure it'll, it'll oh, yeah, I haven't picked happen. up that 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 uh, magazine yet. I'm going to go get it after this. I'm think, sure it's going to come in the mail because it'll have all the latest information in. Um, oh, yeah, I can't wait. Uh, now, I'll, I'll be waiting. Okay, Mike, I think it's time where we use our magical powers that we have as hosts, our host powers, to reveal to this ghost what has happened up to 2018. Oh, my. Are you sure that the ghost will be able to take it? I don't know about that. Well, yeah, he's going to be shocked. But also, uh, I feel like this bit is uh, is running out of steam and we need to talk to the real Stephen. Uh, Stephen Hackett of 2018 appear! Oh. Wow. A lot happened there, didn't it, in between 20, 2005 and 2018? I have a crazy headache. Welcome back to the uh, present. We, uh, we, uh, we had to extract you from the past. Uh, yeah, Thanks, so, so given, given your little... So you dipped into 2005 there. You were in the mindset of 2005. And uh, I, I, I think one of the things we wanted to talk about, and not just have a, a bit where we talk like you're confused about what's happening in the present for the next <laughs> 20 minutes, is... Uh, is to talk about like what what can we learn? Are, are there things we can learn about uh, transitions Apple's gone through before? Because you mentioned the the G five PowerBook that n- never happened. They, they were never able to do that, and it helped force Apple uh, to Intel when it seemed initially impossible that that would happen, and then suddenly became like a real possibility. And then it happened, and we all moved. It's like the the life cycle of this, and it seems like we're kind of in that same cycle now. So you know, can we draw parallels between the Intel transition and uh, an ARM transition for the Mac? I think we can for a couple of reasons. One, Apple 
drew parallels to their previous transitions in 2005, 2006, when they were moving to Intel. Jobs pitched that Apple's really good at this, and he talked about the move not only to the PowerPC processor, but from OS 9, uh, rest in peace, to yep. OS 10. And, and Apple is good at a lot of things, but one thing, it may be the best te- company technology at this exact thing, at moving through these really big transitions that would totally cripple other companies and other platforms. If I could challenge you on that point for a second, Mm. could it be argued that Apple is best at transitioning its current major platform? Like if, so if they were trying to do something with iOS and they can mostly get people, you know, on board of any changes that they make to iOS, right? Like here's some new screen sizes. Here's, we want to go from to, to 64 bit, all that kind of stuff. Would a transition of the Mac today have potentially more concern than the transition of the Mac did in 2005, though? Because to, in 2005, the Mac was a much more, I guess, exciting platform than it is today, just because Ooh. there was more focus on it, right? Like, it's just, there's just the focus has shifted. It was Apple's biggest platform at the time. It's not Apple's biggest platform now, but mm-hmm. the Mac is bigger than it was then. And I think in some ways, iOS has helped like sharpen the definition of the Mac where like the Mac is, is maybe uh, the, its user base is broader, but maybe also like more specific. Like I think there's a lot of people doing a lot more stuff on a Mac now as far as production and like professional level work writing iOS apps that wasn't going on in 05 necessarily. Uh, I don't know if that's a big factor. I think that Apple would do just as good of a job doing this if the Mac was its primary or its you know secondary platform today. Uh, it is an interesting thought, though. You're right, because this is the first time the Mac has transitioned as the, the not the largest thing in, in Apple's catalog. But until iOS development can happen on iOS, they, they need the Mac to be healthy from a professional standpoint. And I think I think they would take just as much care now as they did as they did then. One thing that works in the Mac's favor, Mike, and I'm glad you brought up iOS, is the fact that we have iOS, that Apple has been has spent a decade now building operating systems on top of the ARM platform. Right. And there was this great moment in the uh, announcement keynote to the switch to Intel. And Jobs is like, OS 10 has been leading a secret double life. It's been running on Intel the whole time. And like the details there are a little fuzzy. Like it wasn't all running, but it compiled at least... But that's because like OpenStep that they that kind of got rolled into OS X, like that worked on Intel. They just preserved that uh, over time. Jobs pitched it as a safety net, but it was more than that. But now Apple has a decade of building things on right. top of okay. ARM, the OS itself, frameworks, APIs. So Apple are better suited this time for the operating system transition themselves even than maybe they were last time. I was thinking in some ways Apple – this is weird, but bear with me here. This thing is already really weird, so we're just going to get slightly weirder. <laughs> Apple Apple is Intel in this scenario. Like um, – and I hmm. think of it this way, like when that chip transition happened and, you know, I was at Macworld then, I, you know, we did publish a column <laughs> saying it was never going to happen. And it happened like two months later. Um, the, uh, the, the thing is, Intel at the time, like 
now we think of Intel and it's kind of like uh, really downgraded in our thoughts over the last few years. But like it was rolling and it was everything the PowerPC Alliance could do uh, to try and battle it and do those megahertz myth, myth things and all of that. But the Intel chip architecture had ha- been proven over many years. It was like the leader. It, they, they had the best chips and they were being tested by all of the PC manufacturers. Like every PC with, a, you know, there were some exceptions, but like Intel was the standard. Intel and Microsoft and all the PC makers were working together. And so when Apple made that switch, you picked up a lot of benefit because there's this whole other market that had been optimizing and uh, had, you know, customer Uh. demands and all of that for Intel. So when Apple went there, it was like, oh, and now Macs are PCs too. Yes, but it also benefited from all this stuff that was part of this really vibrant kind of ecosystem on the PC side in terms of building up that PC tech. And like, that's the story of the ARM processors and the iPhone and the iPad is like, that's the vibrant um, world that has been developing for 10 years that the the Mac could now potentially just step right into. And it's a little weird to think of Apple's chips as the Intel chips of today, but that's kind of, I think the parallel is, is actually not bad. No, it's not. They're building the best systems on a chip, the best processors in the industry, you know, by far. And, and even though Intel ruled the roost for so, I mean for decades they they just have totally missed it and if if history teaches us anything it's that Apple will do the hard thing if it's the right thing for the platform look transitioning yep. processors is not a walk in the park even for Apple right you have all the hardware stuff you have all the software stuff you have all the third party developer stuff right there's all these things, and, and now Macs are more complicated, right? So you got to deal with Thunderbolt, and you got to deal with Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and all of this stuff. And they will go, they will do that work, even on a platform that's not the the beloved child it once was, if they really believe it's the right thing for the platform and that platform's users. And I think I think it is, and I think Apple thinks it is too. And it really feels like we're right on the edge. In the next 18 or 24 months of something big happening here. And I think all the things we saw that came to the Mac with Intel that benefited the Mac, uh, you could you could do much more powerful notebooks. You could build things like the first MacBook Air, which people forget now, had a custom Intel chip in it. Mm-hmm. They worked with Intel for a year to build. All of that stuff that came to the Mac could reinvent the Mac again. Uh with ARM inside. And that's, as a Mac user, pretty exciting to me. I mean, the Intel transition was was great. It was shocking. But once those Intel Macs started coming out, it was pretty impressive, right? Like the co-translation stuff, old PowerPC processor, uh, you know, apps worked fine. They weren't like super slow. And then the native stuff that was coming out was was much faster. And you finally got faster laptops that you were never going to get in the in mm-hmm. the old PowerBooks, the new MacBooks uh, running Intel um, processors were way faster than anything because the G5 just never was going to go in a laptop. The other parallel I wanted us to draw between the past and the present was about services, and and I'm I'm wondering if you if you can follow along with this too, if you if if this seems like a parallel, which is the iPod changed Apple's business in an unexpected way, and mm-hmm. and for a, a while there, like famously, Steve Jobs said. Um, you know, why would we ever have the iPod work on a PC? We want right. the iPod to be this great thing that sells Macs. And then at some point, somebody at Apple stood up to Steve Jobs and Steve Jobs went along with it because they basically said, there's a business opportunity here, maybe greater than the Mac. 
and we need to follow it. And I, I, the parallel I keep drawing is with services today, which is a an extremely non traditional Apple thing. It's not hardware. Uh, you know, they're not dealing with margins. They want recurring services revenue. And when you look at things like Apple Music coming to the Amazon Echo and potentially this video service launching on, you know, question mark on Apple TV or uh, as well as Apple hardware platforms, or would they also be on other people's hardware? I feel like it's a lot of the same questions. It's that same debate of like, what are we as a company? Uh, services. It, it, so we, uh, basically, is services the iPod where Apple has to kind of reinvent itself and figure it out, or, or there's an internal debate? Do you think? Uh, I think it. I think there are some parallels to draw. You know, the iPod came in as an accessory to the Mac, and very quickly grew much larger than the Mac had ever been. You know, by 2005, you had the iPod was four years old, the iPod Mini was a year old, and the Shuffle was brand new, and we were about a year or two away from the Nano really kind of taking off and. And the iPod gaining things like video in late 2005. But the the sort of sibling story to the iPod is iTunes, right? So iTunes at the beginning was just a way to sync your music. They launched in March 2004 the iTunes Music Store. So I pulled some numbers. By January 2005, they had sold 250 million songs. By July 2005, 500 million songs. And by February 2006, 1 billion songs have been sold through iTunes. So the iPod was a conduit for the iTunes Music Store, but the iTunes Music Store was also like this really growing, vibrant business all into itself. And it, it, I think it was the first time Apple realized that they could, they could sell something that wasn't a computer and it be okay, right? And, and so the iTunes Music Store, in a way, kind of was Apple's first big service, mm-hmm. right? It's, for sure, it was. It was pay as you go, right? It wasn't just you pay once and get all you can eat, but it was a service. You traded money for digital assets, and that has evolved into Apple Music and all these other things now. iCloud and you know .dot Mac and Mobile Me went away, and iCloud is here. But Apple got good at services then with the iTunes Music Store, and of course there have been some bumps and hitches on the road, but I think there's a clear path between that initial iPod iTunes success and where Apple is now with services. The difference is, of course, the iPod is gone and Apple Music benefits in a way that iTunes didn't because it can't, it is like, it, it can be if Apple makes it hardware agnostic, right? Apple doesn't need to sell the iPod anymore. They have the iPhone and these other things, but as they roll it out, it's on Android, it's on the Amazon Echo here in a few days. All of this stuff, Apple Music has the ability to like grow even larger than iTunes ever was. And I think Apple is fine with that. I think they get it. I think that Apple has been really clear in its communication to investors on these quarterly calls that services is an important part of their business and one they are focusing on. And if you look at the charts on six colors, each quarter just goes <laughs> up and up and up and up and up. And I, I, I don't think that's as awkward for Apple as it as it seems or is it or definitely as it would have been without the success of the iPod and the iTunes music store it's just sort of that in the modern era it's hard to look at apple tv and i i keep mean saying this and i don't mean to beat on the apple tv cuz i i use my apple tv all the time but it's hard to look at the apple tv and say this is an ipod in the making right it's just going to take yeah, over this is that's not going to be the it's case it's not yeah. going to happen but 
so so you've got a video service to launch and you want people to you know view it on their ipads and their iphones and all that but if they want to view it on their tvs uh you know you've got to you've got to take a step that you might not have taken in the past because like steve jobs back in the early days you're like well wait we, we just want to use this to sell more apple tvs and so more ipads and somebody has to say and in this case i think that somebody is probably tim cook <laughs> says no we're not we're not going to do that we're going to let everybody yeah. see this but the uh that the amazon echo music thing that's a big that's that's to me that's like the the flare gun you know flare being Hmm. fired into the air saying we we care about our services it doesn't matter where they are we just want people to give us money and like or 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 alternately we want people who are our customers who have feet in other ecosystems to not turn away from our services because they aren't there which i think is probably more realistic right it's not like people are going to buy an amazon echo and say now i can sign up for apple music it's more like they already had (laughs) uh apple music and the echo was like a frustration because it didn't have it that's like Mm -hmm. all of us who bought them or they can't buy one because they want you know apple music and they don't know if they want to switch to spotify or whatever like it just clears all that stuff out and it's like you want apple Mm -hmm. music it's not an impediment it's fine yeah, th- there is a difference there in the hardware. You know, uh, this is not to discount what Amazon has done because I think the Echo is an incredible device. But hardware is easier in 2018 than it was in 2005. It just is, right? Like manufacturing is simpler, components are cheaper. It's it's a more understood area, and so Apple now has to play in a world where there are hardware devices that you know can run all these different things. You know, hardware was an extension of software for a really long time. But now it's that's not necessarily true. And good on Apple for realizing that and setting aside, okay, you know, Apple Music, as big as the iPhone is, Apple Music would only be as big as the iPhone, best case scenario, in like an old version of Apple. But now they are willing to uncouple those things and have Apple Music be on devices that are sold by competitors. Apple and Amazon compete. Like there's no way around it. Mm-hmm. But they're willing to give that up to grow their services revenue. And as the iPhone may or may not be slowing down, we, you know, it's a debate for another time, as the iPad and the Mac may or may not be healthy or not, whatever those things may be, services can continue to grow past Apple's hardware if they continue to invest in it. And I think they will. You know, I, I did, there was something that's funny to me, like looking at because we kind of transitioned from the iTunes store into talking about Apple TV, right? Like in the, the realm of the, the past and present of services. It's funny that like a lot of companies, they will get a cup one once in a lifetime thing. And Apple has been lucky enough to have a couple of them, right? Like mm-hmm. the success of the iPhone is a once in a company's lifetime thing, sure. you know? I, but and I also think that the iTunes music store like is for how much it dominated a specific industry like in a way that there's pretty much nothing apple can do to dominate streaming video with their upcoming tv service in the way that they dominated with the itunes music store like they're just this isn't a way for them to really do that in today's climate because it's a very different situation partly because of apple they they made all of this now Mm -hmm. enough past apple 2005 apple made 2018 apple's job a lot harder (laughs) right because the tv and film industry won't allow apple to do to them what apple did to the music industry right right so it's kind of just funny to look at those two things be like the, the apple can try really hard and they can they could set it up all perfectly, but 
they're just not going to be able to replicate that success. It's just it's a it's it's just a different world and a slightly different market, and so it's kind of. It's interesting to me. Like, I think Apple Music, by and large, is doing, seems to be doing really well. I think it's maybe doing better than a lot of people expected it to um, compared to something like Spotify, right? Like, there are all these charts constantly about how Apple Music is catching up. Um, and I'm just intrigued to see how well Apple's TV service can do. And the devil's going to be in a lot of the details for them. But I'd, I, I would be, I would eat my hat if we saw iTunes Music Store level of dominance for that service. It just doesn't seem likely. Well, it's a different world, right? That, I think that's the truth yeah. of a lot of this is that the com- competition is much stronger now, and and the. You know, Apple was in a unique position in the 2000s in terms of coming up with the iP- the iPod and having uh, some competition, but nothing from major players. And iTunes the same way that they were able to make those deals, and there were there were other things out there, but they they were able to. It was like a green field for them to to run in. And now, mm-hmm. I mean, all their competitors have seen what happened in that era, and. I think the biggest, if I had to say the biggest change in the attitude of tech companies today versus in 2005, I I think I would say the number one thing is all of them understand their own mortality. Uh, And that's Mm. why you see like Google is the most open about it, where Google has their whole other bets thing, you know, but in general, tech companies spend money on R&D and on buying other companies because they know that there's going to be a next big thing. And that and, and the Steve Jobs attitude at Apple was always we will be our own replacement. We don't care about protecting our current thing as long as we're the ones who do the next big thing. And uh, the, the problem is Google does that. Google knows that. Amazon knows that. Right. Like uh, Microsoft knows that. Everybody knows that. And they've got so much money. Like Zuckerberg can't stop buying companies that exactly. threaten him. Well, right? and they've got like, so much thing. money now that they can afford to do it as long as they have the vision to make the bets. And and so, so yeah, you're never going to, in any of these areas, you're never going to totally uh, dominate it, I think, because everybody is looking in, in under all the couch cushions looking for the next big thing. And like video streaming services, like there are a million of them and Apple has to be there and it will potentially be a success for them, but you know, it's never going to be the the dominant like netflix already played that game and and they and they won and they parlayed like apple taking the mac and turning it into the ipod netflix took their dvd business and got into streaming before it was really a thing and that was their beachhead and they and they got there and you know credit to them that's why they're number one but apple could still be a player and it can still be part of a larger picture so ghost of apple past <laughs> stephen hackett thank you for joining us on this very special uh, holiday episode um and where can where should people go to find what you're up to these days well it's 2005 so everyone has a web blog so you can yep. find me at 512pixels.net www dot colon slash where is it backslash front slash forward slash forward slash www dot five twelve pixels dot net and here is an iTunes gift card for you as a thank you. My blog loads really well in the brand new Safari two point so go check it out. Excellent. Mike, I feel that we're being pulled forward. Uh, the the ghost is gone. Perhaps another ghost will come. Who knows? But uh, before then. 
do we have a sponsor? We do. I think we should all take a moment. We should all take a moment to relax after our, Ooh, who knows, scary. first, I don't know, visitation of the day. The 2000s are scary. They're scary. They are horrifying times. Simple contacts. Oh, You're probably very busy in your life, especially around the holiday season. You know, you're being pulled every which way. Simple contacts can help give you back some time because... It will allow you to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your contacts online anywhere you want in minutes, right from the palm of your hand, in fact, using the Simple Contact app. They have a self-guided vision test that you can take at home in your peace and quiet, maybe even in your Christmas pajamas. It takes just five minutes to, to, to do. It's way faster than taking time to go to the doctor's office. A licensed doctor reviews every test so you can skip the office visit, but not the care. But I want to let you know this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. Simple Contacts checks that your current prescription helps you see 2020 and will renew your lenses based on that prescription. They're not gonna, they're not writing completely new prescriptions or examining your eye health. They're just making sure that the prescription that you currently have, the prescription that you're telling them, makes you see correctly. Jason Snell, could you tell me a little bit about your experience with the simple contacts vision test. Well, I set up my iPhone and then I step away so that they can give me the vision exam. And there's like a little video helper who says, okay, now here's what we're going to do. And then they basically put up an eye chart and they have you test it with your current prescription, with your current contacts and uh, verify that you can see 2020. And uh, But it's all through this kind of friendly virtual assistant on your phone or iPad. And uh, it's looking at you. And uh, when you talk to it, it responds, basically. Uh, so it's a kind of a virtual eye test. Uh, and that confirms, and then that's what's reviewed. And that confirms that your current prescription is still good so that they can renew it and get you contacts. That is, this is moving away from the past and into mm-hmm. the future, right? Simple contacts have all the brands and lens types you're familiar with. Their vision test costs just $20. The prices of the contact lenses are unbeatable, super cheap. And their standard shipping is free as well. Plus, on top of all of that we have a special offer for listeners of this show you can get twenty dollars off your contacts by going to simplecontacts.com slash ahoy20 and using the code ahoy20 and you'll be able to join the other five thousand people who've rated simple contacts five stars in the app store people love this app for good reason at simplecontacts.com slash ahoy20 and the code ahoy20 a-h-o-y-2-0 for twenty dollars off our thanks to simple contacts for their support of this show and Relay FM. And wait a second, Mike. Do you hear that? I feel like Uh there's another ghost coming. Is it happening again? I don't know if I'm ready for this. Well, it's too too late. I I think she's here. I am Rosemary Orchard, and I am the ghost of Apple Present. Oh, we have been joined by another ghost, Jason. Who could have imagined there would be another one? Uh, Everybody, Mike. Everybody. Buddy oh, saw oh, that oh. coming. Now I have a question though, which is, what is a ghost of the present? Rose, is that you? Is it just you? I am an omnipresent being. <laughs> okay, but ah, it's still okay, you're just okay. still you. You're still you. Yes, just everywhere as I always present am. day ghosts <laughs> or could just be people. Okay, one of the great things about having a ghost of the present is that they can tell you what's happening right now. Mm. Uh, I guess in case you were not That's paying good. attention. So, Rose, I think maybe the best thing, or I should say, uh, Ghost of Apple Present, uh, I should, I'm interested to know in in your perspective, um, what are the new things that you're excited about right now in the world of Apple? Like, what what is, what is, what is a good thing for you right now? What are you enjoying? Oh, the HomePod. Oh, really? The HomePod is a magical, magical device, which is excellent at Christmas time, which is, of course, the perfect setting for 
this occasion, is it not? It is. It's funny because I don't know if I would have assumed that the first thing you would mention was the HomePod. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's it is very much a kind of just it lives in the world for me like it's not really something that i pay a ton of attention to and i can only imagine that being the automation whiz that you are that one of the reasons you're a fan of the homepod is for stuff like that are you using shortcuts on your homepod a lot yes i used it to turn on the christmas tree the christmas lights and to start the christmas music playlist of my choice set to random earlier with just a few words so is that like one shortcut that you have built that like will do all of those things Yes. Yeah, that's. I just. I don't know why, but I. I find myself just not really invoking shortcuts in that way. Jason, are you doing that? Are you triggering any shortcuts on your HomePod? I have done a few, but I'm not doing it regularly. Um, but I. I. I keep thinking about doing it. I. I do feel it's funny that we're talking about the HomePod first off, but this did feel like. Uh, so a couple of things happened, right? They did that software update that enabled pairs of HomePods to be stereo pairing, the ability to do shortcuts, um, the, you know, a few other things, like I think kicking off calls from the HomePod, like the the stuff that was missing finally got there. And then I'd say during this holiday season, Apple has been really aggressive with HomePod deals. Like uh, you've seen the HomePod for a hundred dollars less for two forty nine in a bunch of places as a deal. And, uh, you know, you put those things all together and it's like, well, yeah, if the HomePod is more capable and maybe less expensive, then it becomes a much more interesting product that it is. And I, I have two. I have a stereo pair. And, uh, you know, I kind of love them. They sound great. That is where we listen to all of our music now. So and even though my Amazon Echo will apparently be getting Apple Music, I can't really envision listening to Apple Music on it because the HomePods sound too good. Yes. I mean, for me, it's mostly the present and the most awesome because everybody seems to be getting them now. Like, they they've been around for a little while and suddenly everybody is talking about the home pod again because of these deals that you just mentioned jason mm-hmm. and so they're working their way into the homes and into everybody's hearts of course mm. yeah two 250 really does feel like the right point for it i think i think i think we only knew this at the start right that 350 dollars was too expensive like it, it's not about the quality of the product but it's it's too expensive to Give it a go. $350 is a lot of money for, for a connected speaker. 250 while still it's not cheap, that $100, I think, makes more difference than $100. Does that make sense? Like, it just it brings it into, like, a different bracket, which makes it a much more approachable device. I think my main thing with the HomePod is I find it impossible to keep straight in my mind that that was a product introduced this year. Like... I think that it is much older. I, I, it, it, I always think that it came out last year. And it's it's always funny to me when I remember that. No, no. It's like an eight-month-old product at this point mm-hmm. or something like that. It's, it is, it's kind of funny. It was just announced. Yeah, it was announced. And then because it, it, it shipped quite late, didn't it, mm-hmm. in the end? Yeah. yeah. That was one of the big things. Oh, yeah, I remember we had that whole stuff because Airplay 2, right? Airplay 2 was super late. Airplay 2 yeah. came later. Came later, yeah. The HomePod did not have a good introduction into the world, I don't think. Yeah, it was announced at WWDC 2017 and didn't ship until uh, February. Oh, word. There you go. That That's why. It's the WWDC announcement. That's why it feels so old to me. It's like it just, that, that's, that is an old product and yet in it's my a, mind. And yet it's a this it's, year yeah. product. Isn't that something? That's, it's that a, it's an Apple present. Hmm. Yes, most definitely is. Rose, what else is going on right now that you're that you're pumped about? 
Well, of course, there there are these shiny new tablety devices called iPad yes. Pros with th- these very large screens on very small devices, and that is very very exciting for all of us super iPad power nerds. Yeah, so. I picked up my twelve point nine today. Uh, I took I had the case off and was again just I was looking at it and was like, how is it so thin? Like, how is it so thin? It is it is wild to me that it is. The, the thinnest that it, that, it, that it is. The thinnest iOS device ever made is... It boggles my mind. I just don't understand. I don't understand how they did it. It's part of me that wants to know why. Like, why did they decide to make this decision? It really is just... But the iPads are so wonderful. I love them so much. Yeah, they're great. Um, I I am so excited. We, we anticipated them for a long time. And now that they're here, I'm very... Uh, I've been using mine a lot. My iPad use has increased. Um... I will say, uh, also, my Apple Pencil use has increased. Like, I would, I would, tr- you know, mess around with the Apple Pencil, but it would just never stick for me. And of course, you couldn't like, it would just roll away somewhere and be lost forever. And now it doesn't roll away, and you can put, stick it on uh, as a magnet. And and I've been using it, especially to edit podcasts in Ferrite. And uh, so I, I'm getting that, and I love it. The, the part that is kind of unsettled for me is the accessory stuff. Like, I can't decide what I feel about some of the case options. Like, uh, part of sometimes I use it just without a case. Um, I used to have a smart cover on my iPad all the time, but having the the case, the non-keyboard case, it's everything is a little bit thicker and a little bit more fiddly, and I'm not sure I, I really love that. I do love how thin it is with the case off. Um, I do like the new keyboard. I, I use it way more than I ever used the smart keyboard on the old one because it's a lot less ungainly but but yeah i love it i i i'm uh, i'm using it all the time rose are you are you, you know have, has your ipad use changed since you got the new one i'm using the apple pencil more because it is not out of battery every time i pick it up right yep. <laughs> which yep. i think a lot of people are finding that hey this thing's actually really useful now because it's never out of battery when you need it because it just sticks to the side of your ipad and it sticks there pretty well as well so i've not I've only once had the occasion of, oh gosh, I've lost my iPad pencil and it was in the bottom of my backpack. So, yeah, that's the only time that it does, and it will inevitably fall off in your bag, but like it's fine if it's in the bag, right? But that's again, me too. Like it's happened to me a couple of times now, but it's always when putting it in or taking it out of my backpack, but it's perfectly safe in the backpack. You know, you're saying about that smart cover. Wait, which one is the cover? The cover folio, the without the keyboard. What is that one called? Smart Just keyboard a, folio. Yeah, oh, and, the, okay. and the, and the so got, smart what smart folio is the other one, right? Without yeah. the keyboard, that product, the folio product without the keyboard, is so l- much less appealing than the old smart covers used to be, because it's as you say, Jason, it adds so much thickness and like bulk to it. I feel like for most people, you're probably just better off getting the keyboard version, even if you don't use the keyboard that much. I just feel like that you've added so much by that point rather than just having a, a cover that goes on the front. So like I've just handed down my 10.5 to Adina and got her a new smart cover that just goes over the front. And it's really nice like that. She doesn't need the keyboard and that's great. But if it was a whole wraparound case, I don't know if it would be as appealing. So I, I don't think I agree. And I think mostly it's because the although the folio adds bulk, the keyboard folio adds more bulk. Um, and that's yeah. it, it is thicker and heavier. But the other thing about it is, and I know this is esoteric, but it uh, the folio folds open on the front like the smart cover. 
Whereas on the keyboard, what you oh, have on the yes. front of the screen yes. is the completely rigid keyboard surface. And it's That's a lot less kind of pleasant that. to open because it's thought you've got to kind of open the whole flat keyboard and pivot it around. And it's not as nice yeah. a thing. But yeah, but I do agree. I would really rather that they had put, uh, they, got, they got a lot of magnets on this thing. I would have really liked it if they had put magnets on the side so there could have just been a smart cover instead of having it be a complete wraparound. But I get, you know, for Apple, like, there's a question of what they want to make and how they want to engineer it. If you had wanted complete protection before, you you had to buy a smart cover and that back shell and put them together. And that's two expensive Apple accessories for one product. And this time they've made one, ex- still expensive, but one expensive Apple accessory that gives you both. I just never protected the back of mine. <laughs> I just I just covered the screen and then that was it. And and now you've, you you kind of have to buy the whole package. Now, I... I know, Rose, that you are a, you are a big iPad user, but you are not. You have not eschewed the Macintosh, right? No, of course not. Uh, I. <laughs> what are you mad? <laughs> yes, uh, I, I made a horrible mistake two weeks before WWDC. No, not even that. A week before WWDC, like three days before I flew out, I bought a brand new MacBook Pro. Six weeks later, there are new MacBook Pros. So, <laughs> but that means that we have new MacBook Pros this year, and. There were some other interesting new Macs, including the Mac Mini, which has come back from the dead. It is no yes. longer uh, in the area of the past. It is back in the present. Mm. And there was this lovely new Air as well, which I keep looking at going, oh, that's pretty. And then thinking, no, I have a nice MacBook Pro. What do you, how do you find your MacBook Pro? I'm interested. Uh, well, this is the first ever 15-inch laptop I've had. Um, and sometimes I go, ah, because it's big and heavy. But at mm-hmm. the same time, I really, really like it. Um, this I like the touch bar. Um, I am a touch bar oh, person, at least okay. in, some, in the applications that have used it well. So, for example, Scrivener, which uh, I've been using a lot recently, has got good touch bar support and it's much easier to use the touch bar than it is to remember 8 billion and one keyboard shortcuts for the six right. different um, types uh, formatting that you use um, and things like that. So that has actually been really useful to me and everybody loves Touch ID on a Mac. That's why it's mm-hmm. in the air and it is extremely useful. I am fascinated to talk more about the touch bar with you. Are there any other places that like it speci- you find it specifically useful? Emoji. <laughs> Emoji are a very important part of my uh, life. That honestly feels like the primary one <laughs> yes. to me. Yeah, they're, they're a hugely important part of my life. And it's really nice to be able to type them uh, without having to hunt or remember that keyboard shortcut, which I believe is command control space, um, and then searching for it because it shows the most recent ones. And I use Better Touch Tool to customize the toolbar as well. So it's showing me the weather. Of course you do. <laughs> uh, it's showing me um, a video that I was watching in Safari earlier, and it's got like a little um, application switcher in there as well so that I can switch um, from Skype to Google Sheets uh, Docs um, and back again um, in Safari or oh, that's cool. to Audio Hijack. So you would be pretty bummed if it went away, the touch bar then? Not if there was something that I could replace it with. Right. Okay. But you, you like this kind of like secondary display on your, on, your, on your laptop? What I would like is I would like the touch bar and a row of function keys. <laughs> I want it all. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Uh, well, okay. I miss the the um, physical play pause buttons and the mute buttons because you, oh, yeah. you know when when somebody calls me and I want to hit pause, uh, I can't just feel for it and go for it. I have to look at it and do it yeah. because yeah. 
I, I rarely answer calls on my Mac, despite handoff being an excellent feature. Um, I just don't like talking to people on my Mac. It's not portable enough. I like to be able to get up and wander around if I so choose. Yeah, the, the Mac Mini you mentioned, um, I find it funny. First off, I find it funny because uh, of the love that was given out for the Mac Mini, which I, I feel like... Uh, for the previous four years or whatever, there was this combination of disdain for the Mac Mini, but also fury at Apple for not updating it. And I never, I could never figure out what side people were going to come down on, on whether it's irrelevant or whether it's super relevant and uh, we should be angry at Apple. But in any event, the love has showered down on the Mac Mini since it got updated because it is something that, although it's a little more expensive to start than it used to be, it's still, a, a, I would say, the 799 configuration very very powerful and good and then you can scale it up from there and make it much more powerful if you want to and the thing i didn't expect is that all these people talking about uh, using it as a headless server with either um you know either screen sharing software or something like the luna display and basically saying your ipad pro's best friend is a mac mini that's off somewhere in your house so you can use the mac when you want to on your ipad that one i didn't see coming and i i see people talking about it all the time and i've done it myself right but i i've been screen sharing with my mac mini for a long time but that i i find that really funny that we have this whole kind of like mac, mac versus ipad kind of thing and then all of a sudden there are all these kind of excited ipad users who are like all right now i've got a mac in my ipad it's, it took me by surprise i don't know if you guys were surprised by it but i i didn't see that one coming i think i ended up surprising myself with it i, I think it's funny the mac mini right now is in a very exclusive club of macintoshes that people are happy with i think it's the mac mini and the imac pro I think they're pretty exclusive in that club of like universal. Everyone's fine with this Mac, right? Like there, there doesn't really seem to be anything specifically wrong with either of those. Mm-hmm. People seem to be universally happy about them, and I think that's one of the reasons that everyone is so excited about. And I think a lot of people are purchasing the Mac Mini is that it is a computer that is fit for purpose where it could be argued that maybe a lot of the Macs available right now are not so much right you know the iMacs are old again and some of the laptops some people consider them to have problems and there are features that that rose loves that other people don't like very much (laughs) uh you know and and so i think that's that's one of the things that makes the mac mini so interesting right now is that it is actually the machine everybody wanted it to be and i think that's that one of the the key things moving into next year is what is the rest of that lineup going to look like? Because the clock, the clock is ticking. Um, which was actually, ask, uh, I want to know from your perspective, Rose. What is not? Uh, what is not up to snuff right now? What do you? Uh, what do you think Apple really needs to put some work into? Uh, the iPad software. It's okay. Great having one iOS for iPhone and iPad, and I don't mind if they 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 stick with that. That's fine. But we we need more features for those of us who are iPad power users. I understand that not everybody is an iPad power user. There will have been a lot of people who, when Apple announced that new iPad in March of this year with Apple Pencil support, went, yes, I don't need to buy a Pro. I just wanted the Pencil support. And that's great. For them, maybe they don't need these features. But for a lot of us, we are hitting the limits of what iOS can offer us frequently. Um, And it's frustrating because it is such a great device. I mean, compare this to the, the devices that y- people use to calculate the moon landing. 
Um, you know, <laughs> our, our iPads are so much more powerful than that, but we're still hitting a lot of limits. Like, for example, I was trying to put one document in Dropbox earlier today, and it just kept throwing this very strange error at me that, I, of course, I had to file a radar about because it was saying NS user something or other. <laughs> That's when you know you've got into a bad spot yes. when NS user was thrown at you. <laughs> but, you know, why can't I put this file in Dropbox? That that's the yeah. question, and yeah. that's the sort of thing that, that I mean. For us power users, it's, it's extremely frustrating. But for a regular user, that that's a turn off. They they'll return the device because they can't they can't put the file where they wanted it to. And David Sparks mentioned this mm. recently. You can't create a new folder when saving a document. Yeah. Well, a lot yeah. of us like folders um, and tag management things like that. Is yeah. This is crazy. why I continue to use the Dropbox app when I'm saving stuff as opposed to using files because Dropbox, their app still has a better way to navigate through your folders. It lets you create new folders. It lets you rename the the file before you save it. This is all stuff that files, the files app does not let you do in certain instances. You can do all of those things, but later... And it also lets you save favorites. Yeah. Oh, I mean, don't even get me started on the favorites. Like, oh, you like your favorites? Oh, they're just gone today, but they might be back tomorrow. Um, (laughs) What are some of the other like things that you specifically would are are hoping to see uh, for iPad software uh, maybe next year? To, very specifically, uh, some easier switch. Uh, so the multitasking. Uh, I would love it if I could have one. Google Doc open in this multitasking window and one Google Doc open in that multitasking Mm. window and switch between them. Um, I don't know if we're going to get the ability to have tabs in applications, but at the very least having like two uh, documents of an application open at the same time in different multitasking windows. So multiple instances of the same app, right? So like you could be, you could have like uh, Tweetbot open and Google Docs open on this one, and then you could go over to another one. You've got notes in another Google Doc, right? And you can move between them all. It would be kind of wonderful. I would would love that very much. Even just, I mean, even just having two Google Docs side by side would be would yes. be great for me. Well, that's sometimes. just it as well. There are times when you need to reference two documents at the same time, and it's really difficult to do. The number of times I've opened something in Word just because that way I can get it on the other half of my screen. Well, th- this is one of the great things about being a weirdo iOS Chrome user is there's always another web browser for me. Yeah, that's which that's true. And Safari, to be fair, Safari will let you do two windows, and I do that sometimes too. And I, yep. I'm reminded yep. of the fact that I would like this elsewhere. As well, as well. Um, can I throw in um, my big frustration? I think we brought it up in a recent upgrade. Is the um, we we need better indication of which multitasking view is active, uh, where there's keyboard yes. focus, and uh, and that also needs to be shored up a little bit because it's super inconsistent now, and it's one of those things that you know it doesn't seem like a huge deal, but uh, it can get very frustrating if you are typing in one place and then suddenly your keystrokes are going into another. I can't tell you how many times I've put things into a Google Doc that are not supposed to be in the Google Doc or a Google spreadsheet because the keyboard focus changed and I couldn't see it, and it's just it's 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 great that we. We've got multitasking, don't get me wrong, but it needs to be better. Though they have this lovely bar at the bottom now, and I think personally, if I were them, I would just slide the bar. Because that's a very nice visual indication for people. And it still indicates that you need to go to the bottom of your screen to do stuff. Um, And so we have this bar, please use the bar, something Yes, definitely agree with right, you. Right, the, the home indicator, you mean, right? Yeah. Like the, it's always there. 
use it for something useful mm. rather than just being in the way. Yes. Rose, what else is exciting to you? You know, there's there's a there's a whole world of possibility in a new year next year. Uh, is there anything that you're hoping for? Any wild wishes? I'm hoping that Shortcuts gets the ability to start itself at specific times or locations, or at the <laughs> very least suggest <laughs> that it will do things at specific times and locations yes. that you pre-specify. Similar to cron jobs on a server, it would be so nice to just be able to say, every Monday at 9am, remind me to run this shortcut or just run this shortcut for me. I am horrified at the potential that you could do at this point. I would be scared that you would just start automating my life for me if you had the ability to do things without just in the background. That I, I feel like that might be just just for you too much power to give you, right? Like it's you've kind of been given some kind of too strong magical power, and you'll end up just imploding everything in on yourself. But I'm very excited to see what you could do with it. <laughs> well, I'd ask you first before automating your entire life. <laughs> Get me to sign my life away before we end up putting everything to work. Tap okay, Mike. Just tap okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just say it to the home pod, and everything will yeah. be done for you. But it would be very nice to do that. Rose, thank you so much uh, for for visiting us, uh, Ghost of Apple Present. Uh, where can people find uh, your work online at the moment? Well, there is a very lovely podcast here on Relay called Automators, which I would highly recommend that people check out. And uh, yes. all of my things are linked to from rosemaryorchard.com, which includes other podcasts that I guest on, books I write, and more. Thank you so much. Thank you. Wow, Mike, that, that's two ghosts in one show. I really hope that's... T- I don't know if I could handle any more. Two feels like more than enough ghosts for me, Jason. I feel like two ghosts is probably my limit, too. So I, I, hope, mm-hmm. I hope we have some like holiday-ask upgrade or something to do after the sponsor break, because I, I don't want any more ghosts. Uh, that's two, two. those ghosts were great those were two great ghosts those are my favorite great ghosts favorite uh but just guest you know. ghosts podcast go <laughs> guests i don't know pod ghosts pod ghosts yes but uh but you know enough spectral vis- visitations for one show i think so let's do a let's do a sponsor break and then we can yeah ask upgrade some lasers it'll be fine this episode jason is brought to you by pdf pen so actually brought to everyone not just to you um it's it's brought to you and me and everybody it's else visiting itself upon you like a ghost no no we already said no, <laughs> no more ghosts. Ghosts. No, sorry pdf pen is not a ghost it is the ultimate tool for editing pdfs from our friends over at smile using pdf pen you'll be able to say goodbye to filing and go completely paperless with scanning an ocr right at your fingertips no longer will you have to print off a contract and scan it and sign it and fax it and all that nonsense because you can do everything from your favorite computing device. You can mark up and highlight PDFs. You can search and redact sensitive information such as account numbers, even correct text in PDFs and just get it all sent back again without needing the originals. That is super powerful stuff. You can insert, remove and reorder pages, move and adjust images. You can adjust images. It's in the PDF. You can record and playback audio or even add watermarks. It's super awesome stuff. I just saw a wonderful update for my uh, iOS version of PDF. Pen. It's got a lovely blue icon now and it's got a bunch of new features in it. I'm super excited. I, I love that you can now scroll through PDFs uh, 
vertically as well as horizontally. I love that change. Really, really excited. I use PDF Pen every single day, especially around this time of the year. Lots of contracts going around. Um, but there are, uh, on the Mac, you have PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro, and PDF Pen Pro has even more features. One of my favorites of these is to be able to convert websites into PDFs that you can then uh, edit and mark up to your heart's content. And of, of course, don't forget Dark Mode um, on the Mac. With version 10.2 brought that with Dark Mode for Mojave along with smoother scrolling and increased maximum zoom and some other lovely features as well. Look, if you deal with PDFs in any way, you need PDF Pen in your life on every platform. You can learn more about PDF Pen and PDF Pen Pro right now at smilesoftware.com slash podcast. That is smilesoftware.com slash podcast. Our thanks to PDF Pen for their support of this show and Relay FM. Oh, no. What? It's happening again. We, I, oh. We've reached our limit. No. We, 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 oh, okay. Uh, get ready, Mike. I think a third ghost is about to appear. So much for Ask Upgrade. I had the red and green lasers ready, and oh, Uh, well, well, what will the specter say this time? I am Federico Vitici, and I am the ghost of Apple Future. Future? What, What future do you come from, Federico? I come from 2023. And let me tell you, it's a much, much better world in, okay. in five years. It feels kind of, it's very uncomfortable to be back in 2018. Um, <laughs> have you seen the there. iPad multitasking we have? <laughs> <laughs> I feel so bad for you guys. <laughs> everything is just so bad. <laughs> so we have, we have a great opportunity for us now then, I guess, because we can just get the lowdown on the next five years. So like what's been Big. What's coming for us? Oh, what, what do you want to know? It's been it's been such a such a roller coaster, especially you know the past five WWDCs. Uh, mm-hmm. Been really really fun, and sort of the Apple community sort of collectively lost their mind over certain transitions that have occurred. Um, mm. So let, let's start from the big one. I mean, um, I think you guys in 2018 uh, were speculating about uh, what was it called? Uh, uh, marzipan, maybe something like yeah. that. Oh yeah, yeah, that's very now for us, marzipan. Yeah. So, so you want to know how, what happened there? Yes, please. We'd love to <laughs> okay. know. Yeah. All right. So, what happened there was that uh, basically everybody was um, speculating about these um, iPad apps coming to the Mac, and that happened actually. Um, so, in twenty was not twenty twenty was twenty nineteen. Okay. So that happened. Um, and Apple basically did this WWDC that was uh, heavily focused on this uh, new framework that allowed developers to bring their iPad apps to the Mac. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of presented as a way to say the iOS ecosystem is, uh, is uh, you know, it's, uh, there are so many apps and so many good apps that would also make sense on the Mac. So we're giving developers a way to offer these apps on the Mac. And everybody was, part of the, of the attendees were very excited. I remember I was in the audience. A bunch of people were excited. Some longtime Mac Developers were not having it at all. Uh, oh, they got off a walkout. I mean, there was a lot of grumbling uh, uh-huh. at the uh-huh. event. I can't imagine that. No, no, no. There's no way. There's no the way. way that 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 turned out um, was in in the in the fall of 2019 we started seeing these uh, um, sort of iOS apps on the Mac that, but they were so much better than the preview of the year before you know when Apple did the weird the weird thing with um, with Apple oh, oh man and, do we know it we're yeah. living it we're 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 there mm-hmm. oh yeah right now you're, you're using those apps right now yeah those are terrible. Uh, using those is a strong uh, word for it but yes they're they're present <laughs> on my Mac yeah yeah those were terrible. Um, 
um, so the it, the framework, the final framework was was so much better. Like it was sort of a combination of some aspects of iOS and some aspects of macOS. But the thing that really sold it for some people, including me and Mike, Mike, you're gonna like this. Um, oh, good. I know because uh, we've talked about this in in your uh, future in the, in the future my past. <laughs> the idea was that a single app could scale depending on the device that you were using. So uh, a developer could say on iOS uh, have this kind of UI and have these kinds of controls, but when you're running on a Mac, uh, you should adapt to a, like for example to a cursor or to a trackpad. Oh, speaking of which, are you guys still don't have trackpads on your iPads, right? Oh, right. No, I can put two. I can put Why, two fingers do down on the screen and move a little cursor around i can do that oh that's so cute (laughs) (laughs) you can do that (laughs) well so basically uh what happened there just as a quick aside um they enabled uh, eventually trackpad support it started as an accessibility feature um, so you could, um, the idea was you, uh, if you're, if you cannot interact with the screen, you can enable like an external pointing device. So it was rolled out, I think at some point in 2019, maybe actually. So you're not too far from that as oh, an that, accessibility feature that you could that. have like a mouse, like a USB mouse and it will work, uh, with the assistive touch thing. Um, and then eventually so many people liked it that it became an actual feature. I think at some point in iOS, not 13, maybe 14. Uh, okay. But yeah, it definitely happened. So uh, trackpads were a thing. So anyway, um, the, 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 your, the thing that you call Marzipan uh, became a way for uh, iOS apps to sort of evolve into this um, individual like bundle of multiple platforms. And then, so that was 2019, but the big, the big change was in 2020 when we started seeing the uh, first ARM Max. So oh, um, 2020 okay. was the year of the revolution, uh, essentially. And oh, wait, wait, wait. Now, now, politics in 2018, you may not remember, are pretty, uh, pretty strange. <laughs> Do you mean the ARM Mac re- revolution, or was there an actual revolution somewhere? So the uh, I don't want to talk about politics. Okay. There, there were a bunch of revolutions. <laughs> Look, you don't want to know about I, I, that. I, yeah, okay? actually, like, I don't want. I, I, take, I withdraw the question. Let's just talk about computers. Uh, yes, uh, and uh, let's not get into politics, and especially what happened to the UK. That's not funny at all. WWDC twenty twenty was the big year of uh, the first, uh, like the the beginning of the transition from Intel CPUs to ARM made by Apple. And initially, we thought, well, maybe Apple is just going to um, do like the MacBook Air first or like the smaller computers were less like with fewer and smaller requirements and initially they did that like they started transitioning the sort of the base models of everything but the change happened very quickly in that in 20 so two years ago in 2021 we had the first MacBook Pros and the Mac Pros and the iMac Pros and even the Mac Mini with ARM CPUs in it so they move fast They move fast and sort of, it's one of those things that when it happened, you sort of, you were able to put together all the different pieces of what Apple did, like the new, um, the new design language that they announced in 2019, uh, which is also a thing now, uh, sort of an an evolution of iOS 7, uh, that Hmm. it's going to be fun. I think you're going to like it. Um, 
and and the ios apps on the mac and arm on 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 desktop computers and sort of until we we reached the point where it was clear that apple was moving to a unified platform which is what we have now and it's very fun um but for a couple of years especially between 2019 and 2021 it was a it was a kind of bumpy transition for everybody involved like uh long time mac users were unhappy with certain aspects of the transition um which we can talk about like the cutoff on the app store for legacy apps uh that was not fun um but yeah overall like coming from 2023 and looking back at where you guys are right now uh in hindsight it's clear that that apple has moved uh, to to this vision that we're enjoying now of it's a single apple os but we don't have um hybrid devices in the way that you guys in 2018 may think about them it's more of a it's kind of more of a modular thing and 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 more of a sort of adaptivity thing in the sense that each device still has a clear purpose but everything is more unified everything is more integrated and especially when you look at the ipad and what the ipad has become in 2023 um it's sort of a it's a perfect example of that vision so is there a mac in 2023 there's there's a mac in the sense that you can you can build your own mac pro you can buy a mac mini there's still a macbook pro but essentially the ipad has become the laptop for most people and has become that it's it's i don't want to call it the modular computer because that sort of uh, has a, the weird connotation of assembling things like a like a lego it's not that it's more of a it's why you, Jason, you were saying, uh, I think it was in 2017, a few years ago, and people in 2023 uh, referenced that article oh, good. Uh, quite often. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm uh, glad I'm going to get some traffic for that. That's great. Yeah, yeah. People still think about, you know, talk about that article because you were really, you were really on point. The idea of the the iOS laptop, anyway, the iPad has become that kind of computer. Um, I mentioned it supports trackpads. It supports windowing now. And... It can be, and essentially, Apple is now making more types of keyboards and cases for the iPad. Uh, but also, the the UI changes depending on what you are using the iPad with. So, uh, in in touch mode, it's um, it's a tablet, but when you use it in in laptop mode, uh, you have a cursor, you have a like a pointing device, and the UI adapts. But it still remains consistent, and it's very nice. And it's kind of difficult to explain to somebody who doesn't have this product. Uh, and it, and it, the the UI, um, the new design language in, from 2019, really helped uh, with this kind of um, flexible UI. Um, and also, I think you guys still have, you guys still call the 20, uh, 12.9 iPad Pro as the big one, right? Right. Yes. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, that's one of the small <laughs> ones now. Uh, we oh, have, oh, my gosh. Yeah, they, we have a four, almost 14-inch iPad and also a 15-point-something-inch um, iPad uh, iPad Pro. Yeah, that's uh, that's basically wow. a laptop, and it's this big screen. Uh, and there's talk that Apple's going to do like a, like an even bigger one at this point. But yeah, they don't make the 9.7 anymore. They don't make the iPad Mini anymore. Uh, they start from 11 inches, and they go up to 15 inches. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. What did anything ever come of AR? Oh yeah, totally. Uh, so uh, what happened there? Uh, it's hard to remember because there's a, like a clear, um, there's like a, a clear moment when everybody realized that um, that that Apple was serious about this. So. Um, 
they started shipping uh, at some point. I, I think it was uh, 2020 or tw- it was a couple of years ago, I think. Um, they started doing like full on uh, augmented reality modes for um, system apps like um, the photos and, and Apple Maps. And by the way, the Apple Maps rollout that was announced, um, I think, in 2017, 2018, your, your, your timeline, your time period, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. that rollout was completed like a little over a year ago internationally. So <laughs> That's a big rollout. Room. Yeah, yeah, it, t- it took years. And, and Honestly, you know, I was expecting you to say it hadn't been finished yet. So <laughs> No, it's still not a, like 100% done in some areas, but like the majority of Europe and Asia and, and, and the Americas, like it, it's done. It's pretty great, actually. But yeah, they started doing uh, augmented reality modes for, modes for iOS apps. And um, ARKit is, uh, was, was updated uh, until version 5 or something, I think. And finally, last year, uh, in 2022, they announced glasses. So uh, we have the glasses now. And it was basically uh, like the same, having lived through the announcement of the Apple Watch, uh, it was kind of the same approach that uh, Apple reached a point where everybody was talking about Apple doing glasses, Apple doing glasses. They finally announced them. And... um, yeah, we have them. They're not they're not super great so far, mm. but you can tell okay. you can te- you can tell how they will get better like the Apple Watch did. Well, where is the Apple Watch then? The Apple Watch? Yeah. I mean the, the Apple Watch is basically now almost the, uh I don't want to say it's the default Apple device that's, that most people buy, but it's it's so much better than the rudimentary watch that you have. Uh for example, um they really Apple really focused on the health and medical aspect of it. Um, so they did a new design, uh, I think, in 2020. Um, but the the thing that matters the most, they uh, started embedding more and more sensors in the Apple Watch. So, for example, our watches now they can measure blood pressure, and it's kind of accurate. And it's like uh, nobody was believing that Apple could do blood pressure from an external device, but they did it uh, with these new sensors that they have, and they're also built into the bands. So that's why that's why they can do it, and it's approved by the FDA and all of that. It's very it's it works really well. Um, um, we have sensors to measure like hydration um, by essentially taking a look at the the quality of your skin. I'm not sure there's like an actual term to describe this. Um, and the OS is uh, it's basically native at this point in the sense that developers can make actual um, native apps. It's not like uh, I think you guys are still using those um, sort of mirrored uh, apps that are like, <laughs> they're not real watch apps. We have real watch hmm. apps. Uh, so the idea is that Apple is now making this, uh, this uh, they make like five different um, health apps for the watch, like heart rate and, and ECG and blood pressure and skin um like all of those are, are just skin apps. that one's called it's the branding isn't as strong on that one <laughs> no i think it's i think it's called a hydration and it's sort of uh it's, i call it skin because it's what it does it's called a hydration and it, t- it ties into like they you know they do this like reminders that you're supposed to hydrate during the day uh and you can measure that uh they teamed up with more medical institutions around Europe. Um, I was very happy when they announced uh, an integration with the hospital that I, that I, that, that I used to go to. Uh, so that, that was great. Um, but yeah, the 
Apple Watch is now is now fast and it looks beautiful. There's so many bands to choose from, and from a, a health and fitness perspective, it's the device to buy. Basically, wow. nobody else is making smartwatches anymore. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I have to ask. I have to ask because we've been talking about it for years now. Okay. Tell me about the Apple Car. Uh, Tell me what it's like to be in an Apple car. I want to know. I've I've been resisting up to now, but I need to know uh, what it's like to ride. Do they have them in Italy yet, or did you have to go uh, to the U.S. The, and ride in them? Uh, this is, there are no Apple cars what? yet. Um, oh dear. So basically, uh, what happened there was uh, I think somewhere around 2020, uh, Elon Musk kind of lost its mind. His mind was replaced. <laughs> oh no, that that was happening in 2018. Yeah. It's fine. That- <laughs> oh, okay, so he was replaced as the head of Tesla, but. But essentially what happened there is that due to climate change, um, and sorry if, sorry if I'm going to get into politics here, uh, but uh, basically after the, uh, the, the your current U.S. president, uh, the United States uh, signed, uh, they were back on board with the, with, uh, you know, doing something for climate change uh, with, the, with, the, with the, the administration after your current one. And so all the car makers realized, oh, we need to get these electric cars, um, you know, <laughs> actually going. And so there have been around from 20, uh, 2020 to 2022, like these massive transitions of all the automakers offering cheaper uh, electric cars. And for example, in Italy, we've been installing uh, charging stations all over Rome and all over the big cities. And even uh, like there's a presence of charging stations in the countryside. It's been like this very, this massive adoption of um, electric cars by all the automakers and apple is kind of sitting it out for now there's talk that they are um that they're still working on this special project uh that you know a bunch of people are left and a bunch of more people were hired so it's not clear but it is the rumor for now but the problem is that they are facing so much competition from all the automakers that have poured all of their entire resources and teams in getting the electric car um, change going because all of the basically all of the international governments are now requiring uh, car makers to make electric cars uh but we don't know yet what apple wants to do so i'm sorry jason mm, um, that's really disappointing yeah. i can tell you about usbc though if you want <laughs> okay sure it's not a it's not an apple <laughs> uh, car but so yeah usbc that's great Did, is it ever any good it got it got better great do they make hubs for it now does apple make still, a hub yet <laughs> there's still so there's still so many hubs um uh but apple doesn't doesn't make one uh, i'm sorry um so what happened that was fun um i think you're leaving the worst moment for usbc in 2018 i feel very bad for you both um <laughs> It got good with the uh, adoption of USB. Well, we're now in uh, USB 4, so it's hard to remember. But um, with the transition from USB 3.1, I remember writing about this years ago, to USB 3.2, uh, it doubled the bandwidth of USB from 10 gigabits per second to 20. 
Um, and it was backwards compatible with 3.1. And all the accessory makers and like these big companies like Apple and Google and Microsoft, they were very disciplined in adopting USB 3.2 and following the spec uh, because they didn't want to make the same mistakes of the previous one uh, where it was inconsistent and there were like two sub specs. Uh, I remember Gen 1 and Gen 2. That is no more. So with USB 3.2, everything was kind of more uh, consistent and unified. And, uh, and uh, basically the USB consortium, they started um, approving these specs um, like from 3.2 to 3.5 and then what they proposed for um, they were uh, careful not to repeat the same mistakes of the previous generations so the USB-C connector now is smaller um, and the cables are not as thick as the ones that you guys have right now I think uh, but it's more, it's it's so much better and the iPhone has USB-C now so um, yeah it's it got good but I think your next couple of years are going to be bumpy for Yeah USB-C. I don't like the idea of it getting smaller again because that just means more connector change again but as long yeah. as it ends up being good in the end, then I'll be but happy. But after I guess. after 3.2 and especially with 3.5, it sort of everybody calmed down and sort of started appreciating the the the, the promise of USB C was really delivered uh, between USB uh, 3.2 and 3.5. But there's still a lot of dongles, right? They, um, not as many as you think. There are. I mean, they. Will, I don't think they will ever completely disappear because you know people are still using HDMI and and like there's people that. Still still require like those vintage connectors like VGA or DisplayPort. They don't make those anymore. And actually, HDMI is also obsolete at this point uh, because really, um, I think the bandwidth of USB 3.5, it was basically, uh, they reached 100 gigabit per second uh, with some new wiring technology that they somebody invented that I don't remember the name. Uh, but so basically, HDMI became obsolete. Um so there are some dongles, especially for people who still have like 4K TVs, for example. Uh, you, you guys, I think you have 4K TVs now, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah, we have 8K TVs now are quite common, wow. actually. Yeah, uh, but there's to be, I mean, there's still people who are using like 1080p uh, monitors. So wow. the dongles do not completely disappear, but they are not like I remember um, years ago. They used to be like um, there used to be a joke like Dongle Village or Dongle City, something Dongle like that. Town. Dongle Town, man, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Well, how could you forget? I mean, it's been a while. Dongle Town, yeah, that was fun. So we don't have Dongle Town anymore. Oh man, it's more like a yeah, it's more like a like a dongle the dongle commune like it's very okay. very small <laughs> it's a little, there's a dongle tent uh it's a dongle tent yeah so okay this is i know you're the ghost of apple future so that your knowledge that you can share with us is limited to apple but i have to ask how are the shows on on apple's video streaming service are they are they any good yes actually hmm. um it it was um i mean a, a lot of people in the apple community make fun of the service when it launched um you know it was kind of weird to have uh jennifer aniston on stage at an apple event it was very unexpected and all these other like tv people uh on stage it was um it was a different apple event but uh the shows were actually good and uh it took them a couple of years i think uh since we launched in 2019 to sort of find their um to 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 find their style if you will but Mm -hmm. and, and it's not like every show is a hit but I think the quality is consistently good and 
some people would say superior to what Netflix is doing with the originals, but I think, you know, if you subscribe to Netflix and and, and, and Apple TV, you're basically getting all the good shows that you need to find right now. Uh, you know, if you want to stream content from from the internet, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Uh, I actually like it, and and it it comes bundled if you buy an Apple TV 8K, uh, so the, the actual <laughs> device. Uh, Oh yeah, we have them now. Uh, Apple TV 8K. Uh, it comes bundled with uh, with a year of Apple TV the service, and it's very nice. And I can tell you, uh, you guys don't know this, but you're, you, I rem- you remember when you used to do your upstream se- segment well, on yeah, Apple? Yeah, do, sure. We do yeah. it every week, except yeah, for be- this one. Yeah, that became a show. Uh, you, oh, you started, wow. yeah, you started doing upstream the show. Um, I think you 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 will you will come to this decision in a couple of years. Uh, but yeah, it will happen. And I'm still I, I listen every week. It's very good. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank yeah. you, Ghost of Apple Future. Sure. Is there anything else you want to know, Michael? Well, there's always things I want to know, but I'm worried about knowing too much. You, you could know? change the course of the future, but apparently not. I can give you some advice. Maybe oh, okay. yeah. oh, on that's things, great on things you should do. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you both shouldn't have a problem here. Um, start getting comfortable with iOS as much as possible, iOS apps, uh, because it's not like, uh, again, it's not like the Mac is disappearing, but I think you know it, it'll be useful to get used to uh, to iOS apps and to certain like iOS uh, interactions or the privacy controls, the permission prompts, that kind of stuff. Um, wait, don't lose hope on Apple. Um, I remember an old, very very old episode of Upgrade about like uh, Jason getting really upset about this. Don't lose hope on Apple making pro versions of their apps uh, for it, iOS. It warms my heart that you still remember episodes of Upgrade five years yeah. later. I will say that it's it's very nice. I mean, you know, I'm I'm very busy now, uh, <laughs> but I still make room for still make room for those shows that I still listen to. Uh, but yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, don't, don't lose hope on that. It's okay. gonna happen, Good. and I think Good. you will see. Um, you will be disappointed, I think, uh, coming into 2019, if I remember correctly, you didn't get Xcode on the iPad, but that happened, um, in 2020 with the, with the big WBC about the transition. So that happened, um, I mean, in 2018, I would say get an HDR TV because all of the uh, shows on Apple TV, the service will support Dolby Vision by default. So get an HDR TV. Got it. Done. Um, I'm so prepared for 2022. It's great. Yeah. And that's basically it. And I mean, there's other things like um, multiple AirPods coming. Uh, I mean, the the AirPods have an eSIM in them now, so uh, they're fully independent from the iPhone uh, but yeah the big advice would be get a big TV get HDR get used to iOS and get ready to spend a bunch of money because they're gonna make a lot of new things you don't expect wow what's the cheapest uh, Mac you can buy now it's still the they don't make the MacBook Air anymore so it's still the MacBook oh yeah alright that was a weird experiment bringing back the MacBook Air but it's, it's gone and what, what does the MacBook cost does it cost like $11.99 or $15.99 or $2,000 <laughs> But no, I think I think it costs twelve ninety nine. All right. Um, All right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they still. Well, there's the, inflation the too. You know, the, our dollars wouldn't go as. You know, they're they're not the same as twenty twenty three dollars. If they if the dollar still exists, I don't even know. But you still you still have dollars. Oh, you still have dollars. That's, uh, that's good. But yeah, uh, yeah. 
anyway, uh, that's uh, I don't want to I don't want to spoil any more secrets. I feel like I've already I've already uh, told you all the basics. Um, I think we've yeah, learned a lot, uh, uh, Mike. Do you do you feel like we've uh, that that our, our our future has been mapped out for us by this ghost? My head is spinning. Yeah, spinning. Mm-hmm. So much information. Wonderful information. So much. Almost almost too much. My final comment, Mike, specifically for you. You will eventually get into um, role-playing games for the for the Nintendo Switch. Um, you will become obsessed with playing <laughs> Japanese RPGs. Uh, oh, I will, will I? That's that was interest. very yeah. surprising to me because four years we discussed this. So, yeah. Um, See, I was hoping he was. Yeah. you were going to say he gets into role-playing games and now is a regular on Total Party Kill, but uh, the Nintendo Switch makes more sense. It makes more sense. Yeah. Yeah. So, considering people will hear this in 2018, uh, Ghost of Apple Future, where can people find 2018 Federico Vitici? I'm sure 2023 Federico Vitici is very busy mm. with many new products, but can you, can you think of where you would want to tell 2018 people to go to? Okay, so 2018, I mean, I still have Mac Stories, so that, that, that was true five years ago. I think back then I used to have Twitter... Man, that ended badly. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess until it lasts, you can find me in 2018 on Twitter as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Also used to have Instagram. Also didn't end nicely there. Uh, also V-I-T-I-C-C-I there. And I guess that's pretty much it. Um I won't give you the name of the social networks we're using now, but in 2018, you can find me there. I think that's fair. That's fair. Well, thank you, Ghost of Apple Future, so for being here. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now I disappear back into my future where it's much better than this world of 2018. Goodbye. 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 <laughs> oh, okay. Three ghosts is okay. Uh, that, was, that was fine, I think. I, I, yeah. I, well, that was a good. That was a good ghost. I'm sad now. There better not be a They're fourth ghost. They're all good ghosts, Jason. Oh. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Luna Display, the hardware solution that turns your iPad into a wireless display for your Mac, giving you a super portable second display with stunning image quality, zero lag, and amazing portability. That's my favorite thing about the Luna Display. You can either have it with a Mac that's stationary in your home or your office, and you have the ability to access that Mac and use that display from your iPad wherever you want to go to different places in your home or your office or whatever, or if you're in a portable setup, maybe you have a laptop and you're traveling, maybe you're at a a coffee shop, you don't have to lug a display around with you because who would want to do that? You just have your iPad and you can set up Luna Display and it's there. And of course, one of the great things about Luna Display works with many different iPads. You can have screens of different sizes, even depending on the iPad that you have or what you want to have with you. And setting up Luna Display is so simple. You plug in their wonderful dongle into your Mac and you'll be up and running in seconds everything can work over wi-fi but if you don't have a wi-fi connection don't worry you can also connect it via usb as well and then your lunar display will act as a complete extension for your mac and even giving you some features that you can't get otherwise like the ability to use an apple pencil 
with macOS. That's what you'll be able to do. Everything works on the iPad. You'll be able to use your external keyboard. You can use Touch. You can use your Apple Pencil. It turns your Mac into the touchscreen device that you've been dreaming of. Listeners of this show can get a wonderful exclusive 10% discount on Lunar Display. Just go to lunadisplay.com and use the promo code UPGRADE at checkout. That is L-U-N-A-D-I-S-P-L-A-Y.com and promo code UPGRADE at checkout. Our thanks to Lunar Display for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Okay, Mike, do I hear another ghost? Is another ghost coming? Please, no. I can't. I can't do anymore, Jason. We have to, like, we have to do something to stop these ghosts. Fire the lasers! Fire fire the lasers! (laughs) The anti-ghost lasers. What we didn't actually know is every single week what we've actually been firing was the anti-ghost lasers. Well, they're not usually ghosts. (laughs) Maybe it's the Christmas lasers. The lasers. The red and green Christmas lasers are probably, uh, deadly to ghosts can ghosts die they're already i don't know i don't know how it works but uh that was a lot like being i mean first off talking to stephen hackett uh of the past was interesting to try and draw some parallels between the past and the present Mm -hmm. that was that was interesting i enjoyed i enjoyed that and who better to talk about the past with than um than the man who buys the computers from the past yeah someone who wasn't necessarily in all of the past but has more fondness for computer past than anybody yeah, else. Exactly. Exactly. I like how he and I can reminisce about something and I was there and he wasn't, but we can still do it. It's there amazing. Is, that is always fun. It's like, oh yeah, I remember that. And it's like, I don't remember. No, I just looked it up and watched it <laughs> on YouTube. I, <laughs> and then we got, uh, we got Rose who was talking about, uh, uh, sort of stuff that she was excited about in the present, which is, you know, I think technically this is our kind of next week is the upgradies. So this is our yep. kind of year in review in a way, uh, you know, a past, present and future. Uh, and so it was nice to talk about that with her. Yeah, upgradies vote voting is is closed it's closed don't We've had the most successful voting of all yes, time don't do it that's um, i heard from the ghost of christmas future that it was a great year for the upgradies i didn't actually yeah. hear that from him uh who knows if the upgradies still exist? i'm sure they do i'm sure they're they the 10th annual upgradies they is probably do. big upgradies and now ever, everybody by that point uh, that point everybody attends in person mm, yeah with hollow uh glasses or something those mm-hmm. apple glasses that are i mm-hmm. like how the apple glasses uh are, are not that great like it's the first generation they're not that great but they'll be it's not surprising though, no really, that's that's actually pretty it. consistent so talking to rose it, it is funny to think all the stuff that happened this year she mentioned the home pod first and it's like yeah that that really was a 2018 product even yep. though it was announced in the middle of 2017 it, it it shipped in 2018 as far as hardware has been like 2018 has been so much better than 2017 oh, yeah was for apple hardware yeah like i know we got the iphone 10 you know the iphone 10 was like the the only real shining star of of 2017 but you know that there were meaningful updates in every product line you know if you look at the apple watch um you know the iphone 10r and the 10s max right with like sizes and differences that people were looking for obviously the ipad pros the mac mini you know the the macbook air for, for as for as much as it's maybe not the exact machine people are looking for is still a meaningful update um that a lot of people will will, will value yeah. so as long as you know this year the, the hardware story has been has been excellent and 
I guess we're just going to hope, and the ghost of uh, Apple Future would it, would would suggest that the software story is going to be the big one next year. So I'm really Sounds excited, right. considering all of this knowledge that we now have. It feels like, um, yeah, the iMac and the MacBook are still kind of floating out there. The iMacs got updated last fall, and the iMac Pro came out. I I would hope that in the spring of 2019 we might get some updates to those two, but the Mac feels like it's in a much better position than it was in yeah uh, a year ago and don't forget you know june we're gonna i'm probably gonna find out about that mac pro in june yeah yeah that's true too exactly right exactly mm-hmm. right and then the software it does feel like 2019 is going to be all about um the software transition stuff moving forward i think that marzipan stuff it does feel like is going to be a huge just as the ghost told us a, a huge uh shift and that it's going to be much more than you know what the little preview that we got this year and and that it's going to be a big change for how we, people view the mac yeah yeah it, it feels like a lot of points will 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 line up right like the ipad software and the oh yeah stuff, it's all going to start lining yeah up. it does feel like those are going to go hand in hand and that they're all it's mm-hmm. all it's all connected that what you're going to be able to do on the ipad and what you're going to be able to do on the mac through through um marzipan is all kind of be of the of a piece what do you think about this so um gruber wrote a piece a few weeks ago about how on daring fireball for those i mean john gruber ever i just assume everybody reads john gruber that you sh- why would you not do that um but he he wrote a thing um and i think it got a lot of pushback from from people about um mac like apps and he was mostly complaining about like electron which is like the javascript based stuff that is often used to make apps like slack and um I think what's interesting is that like Steve Trouton Smith on Twitter was talking about how um, he feels like clinging to Mac-like as a concept is wrong because the Mac is an older platform that hasn't had much action on it for basically a decade and that Apple is in the process of defining a new kind of like software uh, approach that is the replacement for Mac-like and it's almost iPad like is the new Mac like, um, and I, I thought that was it's interesting to see both sides of it. And as a longtime Mac user, I, I definitely feel the trepidation. But like, what's the what's the strong software platform? It's it's um, iOS. It's not Mac OS. So if Apple's going to have a strong native app platform on its on its devices, it kind of has to be iOS based. I understand the the trepidation and and the desire to not move away, but I don't think Mac like exists anymore. Yeah. Like there there is an idea of what a traditional Mac app feels like, but the amount of people making Mac apps in that way is dwindling even now right like you know it's like i get it i get that there is a specific way that this stuff's always been done but i think it's time to start letting some of that go because i mean it's like you just look at it right like i I know everybody like the the thing is like to hate on electron right like that's the thing but that's just what big companies are doing and you know i see this a lot like I saw, I see, you see it a lot of places, right? It's like, oh, but this company has so much money. Why can't they just make such and such app, right? Like, you know, I see this with Slack, right? Like, why can't Slack make a native app? They have hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. They're a multi-billion dollar uh, company, right? And it's, it's a matter of, of focus. It's not a matter of resource. Isn't the same reason that Apple don't make Wi-Fi routers anymore, 
right? right. Like, there are only so many markets that you want to be in. There are only so many things you want to have to care about as a company just so you can try and stay focused. And unfortunately, native Mac software has become one of those areas, right? That like, if you want to make an app, that app is a mobile app. Everywhere else, it's a wrapper of some description around a web browser. Like that's just kind of, that's the place that we're at. And I genuinely believe, right, that like, we're about to move into a different era of what being a native application looks like. And I think that like with a lot of transitions, the companies that are going to be the most successful are the ones that embrace this new way of working. And it will be about trying to find new design conventions uh-huh. for how you build applications that work across both platforms, you know, like pull to refresh, right? Like, yeah, ideas like that. The, the, the people that are going to succeed are the people that I, in my opinion, can work out like what are these new design things that work well on both platforms and that make sense for everybody and that we have all these new design ideas and, and the way that things work. And then we end up with a new conception of what an, a good Apple app is. Um, that's probably, that's where I believe we're going. And I appreciate lovely Mac software, right? Like I'm sitting here and looking at like a perfect example in audio hijack, Mm -hmm. right? Like that is a wonderful Mac app made by people who really care about how Mac apps are made. But I think that that is just something that is, is had its day. And, and, you know, I know that 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 kind of thing upsets a lot of people, but I just think that when we're, things are changing and you've got to move with it. The ghost of Mac software was going to really debate that with you, but we shot it with a laser, so no. Yes. Here <laughs> <laughs> to do that. But yeah, you know, I mean, change is hard, but I, I think I'm actually going to uh, prefer to be optim- optimistic about the idea that Apple is going to roll out, as the ghost of, of Apple Future suggested, uh, really its new design language and philosophy yes. for how apps work and they don't mean ios it apps. doesn't need to be how, a bad how thing apps work and that that, changes. that's going to be everywhere and i would argue that it's better to have an activist apple that actually has built new rules about like here's how we think this is going to work because what we've seen over the last few years is kind of this slow kind of degradation of standards for ui on the mac because I think in part Apple has not cared that much and they haven't kept their eye on the ball in a lot of ways, but also in part because they've been focused on iOS stuff. And so, you know, I think the future for software running on the Mac is actually brighter if Apple is actively promoting a certain way of building apps and this is how these interactions work and this is how they look on these on on yes. phones and on iPads and on iMac screens and how it all works together than what we have now which is really this just kind of like coasting on the past and you know it, it, it's I think it's a mess and fragmented in part because Apple's attention has been elsewhere and the Mac has just kind of been left to drift and if they really unify their platforms the Mac's not going to be left to drift anymore more because it's too important as a piece of this unified app platform that apple's doing which i i think is almost certainly what they're doing i guess it's definitely what they're doing if we can believe our uh, our ghost from the future i think that brings us to the end of the of the upgrade christmas carol um yes. I, we got rid of all the other ghosts so there are no more ghosts to visit us and uh, we'll be back next week with the Upgradies, which everybody is yeah. excited about on uh, on uh, New Year's Eve, the Upgradies will mm-hmm. appear and talk about the best of 2018, and uh, informed by your suggestions and, of course, by 
ghosts, I guess. Are, are ghosts on? Are we going to have ghosts every week? I hope not. No, I really. Okay, just you and me. I then. really don't not know ghosts. if I can live with that. Not, yeah. not ghosts at all. But um, I think we definitely want to take this opportunity to thank everybody for listening to to Upgrade this year. Uh, it's been a good year yes. for us. I think we've done a bunch of uh, a bunch of great episodes. We also did this episode, which is different another great episode okay great and all the, the great in shows the list of great episodes mm-hmm. all the great shows are they're all great um i you know i think we, we went over a lot of this type of stuff uh around episode 200 which right. one of my favorite episodes of the show uh, for many reasons. One of the big reasons, Jason, is now I just have a, a URL to give to people when they say, what about this about podcasting? <laughs> I'm just like, go to episode 200 of Upgrade. So I'm very happy we did that episode just so I have that link to send to people. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, I, I have been so proud of uh, this show this year. Um, I, I think that we've we've done some really great stuff and I'm really excited um, about next year. Uh, for upgrade uh, i'm really excited for the upgradies um i got some some things mm-hmm. up my sleeve oh, to make boy. the upgradies bigger oh, and better boy. than ever before uh i i'm 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 really excited about all of our events next year you know like everything so yeah it's it, it's really great we did our first um, live upgrade this year too in chicago our first live mm. episode and and i really want to do more of those and i hope that uh, 2019 will enable that for us. Um, so yeah, it's been a wonderful year. Uh, thank you so much to everyone that has listened and supported the show. Um, and we we can't wait to, to give you another year's worth of upgrade. So if you want to uh, find out more about the show, as always, radio.fm slash upgrade. You can find that out. We've got all of our links there for this episode. And and thank you to our guest ghosts, our good guest hosts. Guest ghosts, yeah. Stephen Rosemary and Federico, they all have shows here on Relay FM, um, as well as me and Jason. We have many more, relay.fm slash shows, where you can find out more about all of those. Uh, thanks to our lovely sponsors, Simple Contacts, Lunar Display, and PDF Pen from Smile for their support of this episode. We really, really hope that however you sell celebrate this holiday season that you have a wonderful holidays ahead of you um and we will now wish you goodbye and a merry christmas if that is what you're celebrating um jason until next time say goodbye jason snow and so as tiny tim observed god bless us everyone Blimey, this podcast got British all of a sudden. I felt myself slipping into (laughs) super strange Britishisms I was finding myself doing. The past is American, the present is British, the future is Italian. (laughs) Yeah.